Spoiler alert. This is a Dissecting Dexter podcast. Reviewing Dexter Season 5. There will be plot information for Season 5, and possibly previous seasons. You have been warned. Hi guys, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, and today we're reviewing Season 5, Episode 6, Everything is Illuminated, which brings us to the halfway point of the season. I'll be giving my thoughts on the episode shortly. We've got some good listener emails to go through, and we have a voicemail as well. Before we get into the latest episode, let's take a quick look at how the uh, how the ratings are doing. Everything is Illuminated was reported to have had... 1.63 million viewers, down from the season high of the week before, which was about 1.9 million, so a bit of a drop, but then I think it was up against the premiere of the new AMC show, The Walking Dead, which got some really good numbers. Great pilot, by the way. If you're into the whole zombie thing, definitely check out The Walking Dead. Definitely. The pilot was great. Uh, it was directed by Frank Darabont, who directed films like The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile and The Mist. Definitely check it out. Okay, so the latest Dexter, Everything is Illuminated, emphasis on Lumen there. It was written by Wendy West and directed by Steve Schill. Wendy West has put in some great work on Dexter before, having written last season's finale and the brilliant Hungry Man episode. While Steve is a very seasoned TV director, having directed episodes of classic shows like The Sopranos, Deadwood and The Wire, he's British as well. But Dexter fans will sit up and take note when I say he's also directed several Dexter episodes before, including the season 2 finale, the season 5 opener, My Bad, and the infamous season 4 finale. I'd say this latest episode was possibly the second best of the season so far and was very well directed, so clearly Steve Schill is a name you won't mind seeing listed as director in the future. So, now we've established that we have a top-notch writer-director pairing here, let's start dissecting Everything is Illuminated. So, we join Dexter packing more stuff from their old house. The metaphor of him putting things into different boxes is not lost, illustrating how he always tried to compartmentalise his life, keeping his day job separate from his nocturnal activities. He talks about how he failed at that, but won't be making the same mistake again. It's funny because he says that, yet he's got very close to Lumen and exposed himself to her, if you'll pardon the expression. So... He could be going down the same road again, especially when he has Lumen take refuge at the house later on. Dexter again uses his family in order to stake out a potential victim. He spies on Lance Robinson, uh, a typically appropriate fit for the code, uh, while playing with Harrison in a playground. Before he sets out for the evening's fun killing Robinson, Dexter has a scene in the apartment with the nanny and Harrison. Obviously, Dexter lying about the reason why he has to go out tonight but as he goes to leave Harrison says bye to Dexter and he's amazed this is his first word although bye bye comes out as die die which is a bit unfortunate but anyone with children will know how early words can sound a bit off although as the parent you know what they mean 
My eldest son, one of his early words was clock, although, and can you guess where I'm going with this, he would always say it without the L. So we'd be out and he'd see a clock and he'd point and go, cock! <laughs> if this wasn't bad enough, he would point at people's watches too and say the same thing, so unfortunately he'd be pointing at people and saying it. He pointed at this this guy's wrist and said cock and the guy turned around a bit surprised and we managed to avoid any black eyes because he saw the funny side luckily but I digress. So Dexter rents an RV motorhome thing and sets up Robinson and while he's wrapping him in cellophane or shrink wrap or whatever you want to call it, Lumen rings and you get the feeling she's keen to get hold of him because she rings twice before texting him a picture of a bloody body. Oh, deep joy. And uh, not surprisingly, Dexter calls her back now. Dexter! I... I shot one of them. I killed him. I met the Marina, the Bayshore, Biscayne or something. You're in Miami? I never left. Oh, there's so much blood. What do I do? Dexter has no choice but to go. But Lumen, she's obviously not an experienced killer and was just totally unprepared for what to do once she'd pulled the trigger. And we seem to be heading into teacher-pupil territory again here. But poor Dexter, just as he's trying to have a nice relaxed kill according to his time-honoured ritual, he has to break off and drag an unconscious Lance Robinson into the back of his car. He could have left him in the RV, but taken a risk in doing that because he wouldn't know how long he'd be with Lumen. Could he have really risked Robinson waking up and escaping while he was gone? So Dexter comes to the rescue, but was anyone surprised when Lumen took him to the spot and the body had gone? I wasn't. Dexter reminds us in the conversation of a reason why he's got to help her, how everything she does leads back to him. And there was a lot of blood on the ground, and you'd think the guy would bleed out before too long, but of course they still have to find him regardless. Dexter analyses the scene, and Lumen notices how well he knows his stuff, particularly when he pulls out a bottle of Luminol to help them follow the blood trail. Proper sort of CSI territory. And we learn that Lumen basically used sexual entrapment to get a victim out here, but Dexter's interested in how she knew this is one of her abusers. She says she picked up on smells and the look of him. Although, even though she'd never seen his face before, she seemed to have a sort of spidey sense, a sort of sixth sense, something Dexter himself can surely empathise with. And you can see Dexter's dubious, though, particularly after she made a mistake last week with Brunner. They have a really good bit of dialogue about it all, Lumen getting frustrated by Dexter's lack of belief in her. And again, a good performance by Julia Stiles here. She's really putting in some good work. In the warehouse, Dexter gets a call alerting him to the possible homicide scene. So they now know they're even more against the clock if they weren't already. Luckily, they catch up with the guy and restrain him. And we get some more details about what Lumen experienced. She talks about some of the sexual abuse she suffered. So we get a little bit more flesh on the bones about what she went through. 
Dexter sets about trying to keep the guy alive, though, working on his assumption that he's innocent of what Lumen thinks he did. Go! Yep, one gunshot wound penetrated the abdominal cavity. <gasps> oh, God! Can't let me die. Come over here and hold this. You're gonna save him? I don't know who this man is. My name's Dan. Dan Mandel. Right here. She shot me. I have no idea why. You know exactly what you did I've to me. I've never seen this woman before in my life. You're a fucking liar. You're fucking crazy. Look, you can't let me die. I got a wife. I got a daughter. Please. Oh, it's all very dramatic. Lumen very upset and angry at him. I love it when Dexter sends her to the corner like a naughty child. <laughs> you get in the corner and you stay there. Dexter's phone rings at an awkward moment, not for the first time this season, and it's Harrison on the phone, and <laughs> poor Dexter is distracted from the drama in the next room and has to join in a song with the nanny singing to Harrison. It's a darkly it's a darkly ironic situation. He comes off the phone and oh, Lumen's gone apeshit, feeding her shoe to Mandel. And then the guy does something a bit reckless, with Dexter and Lumen distracted with each other. He gets Dexter's phone and makes a call, which Dexter overhears. Obviously, Mandel thought it more important to alert his accomplices before the police. But we learn two things here. One is that Lumen was right. Mandel is one of her abusers. And two, it seems that Boyd Fowler was almost certainly the end of the line for the girls being abused by this gang. Boyd's job, it seems, was just to kill and dispose of them. Mandel tells Lumen that they'll find her and uh, calls her the C-word again, and Dexter's demeanour immediately changes as in, in a space of, uh, well, probably a split second, he realises Lumen's spidey sense was right and this guy was part of the gang responsible for the uh, abuse and murder of numerous girls. He whispers die-die in Mandel's ear before breaking his neck. While he gets Lumen to start cleaning the scene, we see the police have arrived, including Deb and Masuka, they set on the same blood trail that Dexter did. It's an almost comical moment when Lance Robinson wakes up and makes a run for it. He looks a bit like a shrink-wrapped mummy as he tries to escape. Bits of shrink-wrapped sort of flying in the air behind him. There's a good moment of tension as Dexter chases him down and you can see Robinson very nearly making it round a corner. Uh, although he doesn't realise how close he was to the police. But just around the corner, we've got Deb and Masuka still following the blood trail and getting closer. It's nicely directed, but you knew, you just knew Dexter would catch him. It's great how Dexter throttles Robinson, throttles him to death as he drags him by a loose bit of wrapping, and then sets his body next to Mendel's, making it look like they died together in some kind of perverse act. Deb and Masuka catch up, and, of course, Dexter seems again free of suspicion, uh, despite his um, the circumstances of him being found right on top of the of the scene. And they survey the scene, Deb and Masuka, uh, in amazement. And disturbingly, Masuka seems to know what happened. What in the mother of fuck went on in here? I know exactly what happened. Two words. Autoerotic mummification and this leads to one of the funniest dexter moments of all time and this is no uh, this is no exaggeration 
in slow motion, Masuka mimes out how he thinks the scene went down. Uh, we kind of the scene, the, the scene, the sound of the scene kind of fades out, and, and we hear Dexter musing. But we see Masuka gesticulating and miming the the tweaking of nipples and pumping of well, you remember. How can we ever forget? <laughs> oh, it's so so funny. What the hell is autoerotic mummification anyway? And how the bloody hell did Masuka ever get to hear about it? It's almost like he made it up on the spot, but yet you kind of get the feeling that he'd heard of it before. I love Deb and Dexter's different expressions as Masuka does his explanation. And Deb's thanks for the visual at the end. And then Masuka saying, (laughs) he shines his torch and says, don't touch the nozzle of that hose, as if his speculation wasn't gross enough already. Great stuff. So, Dexter goes back to his old house, where we see he sent Lumen to take shelter and clean herself up. And there's a great moment, a great visual. Uh, it, a, a serious visual, this time, when he finds Lumen asleep in the bath, posing exactly how he found Rita's body. Quite a moment for him. And when he helps her do the plug, he gets a a flashback, a a memory flashback of the bath full of blood, blood all over the floor. It confirms to us, as if we needed confirmation, how he's still disturbed by Rita's murder. We then get the final scene of the episode, which sets up the Lumen Dexter storyline for the rest of the season. It's really well written and acted by both parties. Dexter reveals more about his life to her, properly letting her in. She started to realise his dark side, and we learn that Lumen was going to get married but couldn't go through with it. Presumably this is what she fought with her dad about, leading her to run away. Lumen says how she felt a sensation of peace with getting rid of Mandel. The similarity to Dexter needing to kill to get some sort of peace in his own life. It registers with him. She says she knows it's not going to last, though, and will need to find the rest of her abusers and see them dead, too, so she can find that peace again. I don't even have a name for what I'm feeling. I do. The Dark Passenger. I can't get revenge for Rita's death, but I can help Lumen avenge what was done to her. How many more were there? Dexter knows it's a downward spiral that will eat her soul. You can see him studying her as she talks, recognising the similarities to his own dark needs. It's a really good scene and one that properly sets up the relationship between these two now. Dexter looked sad and he surely now wants to help her, save her, save her doing the killing and further tainting her soul. He'll want to save her from going down the same road he did. Okay, so elsewhere in the episode, the Santa Muerta uh, Fuentes case. The police had been staking out the club where the Fuentes brothers were thought to hang out. Following on from Deb's investigations last week, Captain Matthews makes an appearance and he has serious reservations and is disappointed in Deb after she failed to take down one of the Fuentes brothers when she was face to face with him a couple of episodes ago. 
He was always one of Deb's big supporters in the past, and you can see she's a bit upset by his disappointment in her now. She does need this almost father figure approval. One thing about that scene, though, why was Dexter in the briefing? He's not part of the investigating detective team. He's just a blood spatter analyst. Or maybe the Miami Metro Homicide Department is just pretty inclusive when it comes to case briefings. I don't know. Minor detail. Matthews, who, who, by the way, has he dyed his hair? He was totally grey before, wasn't he? But Matthews is putting a lot of pressure on LaGuerta and they give the club one more night to yield some kind of progress. We learn that a large part of Matthews' anger is down to LaGuerta's involvement in getting a narcotics officer suspended. This refers back to the scene we saw last time with LaGuerta helping in that sting. And we learn that Peter Weller's character is called Stan Liddy. LaGuerta and Batista's domestic strife continues with Batista accusing LaGuerta of helping IAD in order to help save face for herself. Clearing his name was only secondary. She, of course, isn't too impressed with this suggestion. At the club, we later see that Quinn's back involved and revelling in the opportunity to mix it with the ladies. Jammy bugger. <laughs> he even gets an offer of a threesome which puts a big smile on his face. Deb's watching on the CCTV from the surveillance van and you can see the green-eyed monster at work but she doesn't want to give anything away to Batista who's there with her. He makes some noises about envying Quinn's freedom to enjoy the single life and less than there's a less than subtle indicator that he's not enjoying married life, which of course Deb picks up on. And I like the little bit of character stuff we get between Deb and Batista here. Just having a conversation about office relationships, and it seems Batista's radar's bleeping in his head, sensing something between Deb and Quinn. It's little moments like this that help enhance a character, and it's no bad thing with those characters I've been down on. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Deb gives Batista some advice to essentially swallow his pride again and do something nice for his wife. There's a nice little bait and switch on us viewers when we see Batista go into the club and successfully chat up a woman who it looked like he'd been fancying on the CCTV. We remember back to season one when his first marriage ended because of him being unfaithful. And we think, is he doing the same thing again? But then, of course, we later see he was trying to get someone on board to help them with the Fuentes brothers. He's got some drugs charges against this girl, and obviously a lot has gone on between him chatting her up in the club and him presenting her to LaGuerta. But the drugs charges help explain the girl's willingness to assist them. And this girl is friends with the Fuentes brothers, which is good news, and hopefully it will bring the police a lot closer to their targets. LaGuerta and Batista make up after this scene, and actually I was okay with them this week. They didn't do anything to offend me. They were okay. I'll just leave it at that. Deb and Quinn. Uh, Deb goes to Quinn's apartment to meet Stan Liddy. And Quinn, perhaps understandably, lies. Lies about why Liddy's there, but of course we know why he's there. Liddy's a bit alarmed that Quinn's involved with their target sister. He then goes on to reveal that he's done some checks on Dexter and found that he's squeaky clean. Dexter's only been out of the country once when he went to Paris 
and we know why he went there, don't we? But Liddy points out that this is a sort of profile they expect from drug dealers with basically nothing on them, nothing to arouse suspicion, except the lack of anything to arouse suspicion. And he and Quinn agree that Dexter could be hiding something. Later, though, Deb, uh, there's a scene where Deb and Quinn are talking and it looks like, quite well, it's quite clear Deb has let her guard down with Quinn and reveals she has feelings for him. Which we know is bad news, of course. And she gives Quinn an out, saying if it's going to end badly, he should let her know now. And this was his chance to do the decent thing, but maybe he's at the point now where he thinks there's an advantage to be had here. Uh, he thinks being close to Deb will help him get close to Dexter. I don't know, maybe he has genuine feelings for her, but doesn't care about the conflict of interest. I don't think Quinn comes out of this episode looking very good. Listener feedback. It's feedback time. Firstly, I'd just like to say a quick thanks to two iTunes reviewers who have uh, very kindly put up very positive iTunes reviews. Thanks to Tangerine Sedge and Purple Yoda 72. Much appreciated. Right, so first email from Kirsten in Ohio. She says, Hi, right at the end of the season four finale, I got the impression that Dexter was, start was starting to see the end of his dark desires. I can't quote exactly, but he seemed to be considering hanging up his butcher's apron. That is, until he came across Dead Rita, which derailed that thought process altogether. Now he's having so much conflict about what his next steps are. He's trying his old methods, but they haven't been working for him. He's lost his sharpened hunter's senses dulled by grief, fading from emotional growth. Whatever it is, I suspect we'll learn about it in upcoming episodes and seasons. I don't understand people who say they wonder why Dexter is trying to help Lumen. I think it's obvious. His choices are to keep her out of trouble or kill her. And that would go against the code. He truly has no other option but to help her. For those who think he might turn her down his own path, that makes no sense. Dexter can't make Lumen into what he is, of course not. Dexter had a cop father with a sense of justice and a willingness to turn lemons into bloody lemonade. Harry knew about Dexter for years, groomed him into what he became, a serial killer, not with a conscience, but at least with a code. But, if he succeeds in turning aside Lumen's dark passenger, is he going to inadvertently find his own way out of his own darkness? I predict that we're going to see a lot of Dexter having experiences that will eventually lead to him changing his lifestyle, and that's going to be the end of the series, the grand finale. That train of thought at the end of season four, family man, loving wife, new baby son, I think we're going to see a lot of conflict in Dexter's life that will eventually turn him back to that path of being able to stop his nightly sessions, which, in my opinion, will be a shame. I really love your podcast and I appreciate your input and analysis. It really adds to my enjoyment of the series. Thanks, Kirsten. P.S. I saw the curtain move too when Dexter went into Lumen's hotel room, but I totally missed Masuka's leopard skin panties. I'll have to watch that episode again. <laughs> Thanks, Kirsten. Great, well thought out comments there. You really should go back and uh, check out Masuka's knickers. Awesome. And I'm also glad someone else spotted the curtain thing. I do like your metaphor about lemons into bloody lemonade. That was a good one. As I've said, I think this season is Dexter battling his own dark passenger. We've seen plenty of signs of that already. 
he didn't invite Lumen into his life, but he's stuck with her. I think he sees in her someone in danger of getting lumbered, lumbered with their own dark passenger. He seems to feel he has a chance to stop someone ending up on the same road as he did. Perhaps through helping her, he will find some light at the end of his own tunnel, maybe get some kind of redemption. I do think the way the show's going, this is where Dexter's long journey will take him. As much as I like Dexter taking out the trash, as it were, it would be a satisfying conclusion to the character arc to find a way to evict his dark passenger, or at least successfully suppress it. Wouldn't it be a tragic end if he managed to do that, get the kids settled again, only for the truth about his former killer lifestyle to go public? Thanks again, Kirsten. Next email from regular contributor Matt Cook with uh, with his regular list of points coming out of the episode. One. Wow, I wish my mirror wiped off as clear and fog-free as Lumen's did. Point two. Cool to see Dexter being more free and loose in his interaction with Lumen in the warehouse. Realistically, he doesn't have anything... He, sorry, I'll say that again. Realistically, he doesn't have to hide anything from her so he can just let his guard down a bit. Point three. Amusing to see Dex singing kids' songs in the killing clothes. Four. Would the chemical that he sprayed still be glowing blue? Five. Masuka is comedy gold. I even like the more light-hearted comedy music outro. Six. I've always been very lenient about Batista and LaGuerta, maybe because I have a little crush on Lauren Velez, but I'm over that now, ready to move on. Seven. Wow, that would be so hard to go back into that bathroom for Dexter. Talk about two damaged people sitting there. Can't imagine the things that they've been through to get them to that point on the bathroom floor. And Matt concludes by saying, Good episode. I kind of see the arc now. Took a while to get where it was going, but I feel better about it. Wow, do I love the early cuts episodes too. Like them last year and looking forward to seeing the new ones too. Okay, th- Thanks as always, Matt. You certainly seem a bit less sleep-deprived this week, although I wish I could say the same thing. (laughs) The kids are awake anything from 5 to 5.30 at the moment, thanks to the end of British summertime at the weekend, and the clock's going back an hour. But to address some of your points, um, the early cuts episodes, amazingly, I've only just got round to start watching them. Um, I don't know what it was that stopped me from looking at them. Maybe the the standard of the animation. I don't know. They're kind of stylish. Um, but uh, they do seem to be canon. So uh, I, I did pick them up recently and start watching them. And uh, they, they are pretty enjoyable and do add something to the uh, Dexter backstory. Um, to address more of your points, I've done a little research and it seems the glow from blood sprayed with luminol only lasts for about 30 seconds. So... It's safe to say the glow will have gone by the time Masuka was on the trail. Uh, I found out that little fact from um, the Wikipedia page on Luminol. Uh, and yes, Masuka was awesome with uh, <laughs> with his mime routine. That was that was comedy gold. I personally, I didn't mind Batista and Laguerta this week. They weren't overplayed so as to annoy. And Batista obviously did make an important contribution to the Fuentes case. So... I'm okay with them this week. And yes, the bathroom scene was very well done. I like the flash of memory when Dexter leaned over the bath and the two damaged souls sitting beside each other, 
common ground between them. Both having been through great trauma, but Lumen very much motivated by a lust for revenge, thinking that will bring her peace. Thanks again for the email, Matt. Moving on, we've got an email from Paris Hardy, who I don't think says where he comes from, but he writes, Hello, my name is Paris. I'm a guy. I recently started listening to your Dissecting Dexter podcast and have to say I'm loving it. Very detailed... Put my teeth back in, sorry. Very detailed with excellent insight into each episode. Keep up the great work. As for the current season of Dexter, I'm actually enjoying it. It's interesting to see Dex addled and so off his game. Add to the mix Lumen's dangerous determination to go after the men responsible for her torture. Something tells me she could seriously be his undoing. She seems to be blinding him from things he would otherwise never overlook. Very interested to see where the story goes in terms of their relationship. I'm also enjoying Deb this season as well. No surprise there. If the writers decide to go the full route with Quinn revealing his suspicions to her, I think we're in for an earful and some painful television. Look forward to more podcasts. Thanks for your email, Paris. Great to hear you're enjoying the podcast. You pick up on Lumen clouding Dexter's judgment. Excuse me, and I'm sure it is. In addition to the effects of his grief over Rita, you mentioned Deb. Yes, I think there's going to be hell to pay when she learns that Quinn's investigating her brother. Especially now she's revealed she's got feelings for him. How often has that happened to her before? She lets someone in and ends up getting hurt. Okay, last email is from Andre in Australia. He writes, G'day from Sydney. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I shouldn't go down the accent route. I do apologise. Wasn't that awful? <laughs> I'll start again. G'day from Sydney. Awesome podcast. It's one of my new faves. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. You'll uh, never write in again. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I've lost it. Uh, yeah. Um, take two. First off, the high points of the entire season, Masuka. Enough said. Asphyxiation heightens the high, but is not without its risks. But seriously, it was pretty noticeable that the floor was bone dry only a few minutes after it was hosed down, though I think it was worth the sloppy writing for that one scene. The scene with Lumen in the bathtub sent shivers down my spine. The whole scene was powerful. If you look at Michael C. Hall when Lumen says she knows the piece won't last, his body language and performance is absolutely awesome. The intensity and then the empathy you can see in his eyes was just terrific. When rating the seasons, you really can't rate the season in comparison with others until the final episode. You certainly don't want a story to peak too early, or it can ruin the flow of it. That being said... I am enjoying the show as it comes, and not trying to judge it too much, even though the secondary stories are lame. Though I am intrigued with the Robocop character, I have high hopes that it will pick up. Anyway, thanks for taking the time for the excellent podcast and reading this feedback. Okay, thanks Andre. Some good comments there, and apologies again for my uh, little slip. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast, and I hope you still are. Your thoughts about Dexter... Yes, the bathroom scene was great. I've mentioned a few times that I think Julia Stiles is doing some really good work, and Michael C. Hall has always had the ability to say a lot while saying very little. His expression tells a thousand words, and the bathroom scene was no exception. You're right with your comments about rating a season before it's over. 
I talked about this last week and pretty much said the same thing. Uh, yeah, maybe backpedalling a little bit. Of course, uh, this was on the back of me wading in and ranking season five the week before. And it's not fair to write off a season before it's over. What I was trying to do, though, was rate it according to my feelings on it at the time. I will say that the season is certainly picking up, having started very strongly, in my opinion, with the My Bad episode. The secondary stories, yeah, generally fairly lame, although the Quinn-Deb storyline is holding my interest because of its possible implications for Deb, and particularly Dexter. Finally, let's go to a voicemail from Travis. Hey, Gareth, this is Travis again. I just wanted to give my uh, thoughts on tonight's episode. Everything is illuminated, if you will have them. Uh, now, just be warned, I've just seen the episode and I really uh, didn't really think about it all that much, so please forgive me if some of these ideas are half-cocked or they don't really amount to anything. Well, let's just jump into it. Uh, firstly, I liked that the episode uh, was almost sort of kind of like 24. I mean, even watched the show 24. But I just mean in the sense that the episode took place like in real time, I guess, kind of. I mean, once Dexter got to the warehouse, there wasn't a lot of jumping around, you know, next day, next day stuff. It was all boom, 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 you know. You know so I, I felt that was kind of cool, following the tension, you know. I think that was good. I don't know if they've ever done that before in this show. So that was good. Uh, secondly, uh, I liked the, the fact that there's no Harry in this episode. Now, of course, you wouldn't know this, but I was always a really big fan of the flashbacks in season one and two. But, he, you know, I like Harry as a character, but even I'm getting sick of Harry, you know, ghost dad Harry showing up, just being Dexter's little, you know, Jiminy Cricket, man. Come on, man. I don't know. I prefer Dexter voiceovers a lot more than Dexter conversing with Harry. I think they need to retire him. As much as James Remar is a fine actor, I think they need to retire Harry. Uh, okay, I'd also like to ask, uh, you know, I know what, I know that they got to have drama on the show. But why would why in God's name would Dexter take that that guy out of the RV with him alive? You know, he, I guess the idea was he was going to go to Lumens and help her deal with with her thing. But what did he think was going to happen? Did he think he was going to take that guy, help Lumen really fast, and go back to the RV and kill this guy? Like his night was already ruined. Why in the hell wouldn't he just kill the guy, leave him in the RV? I mean, his body wouldn't be stinking for a few days. Or I don't know, I don't know anything about dead bodies, but leave him in the RV. You know, I don't know. Why would you take him with him? You know, that was unnecessary. Whatever. I guess it helped him, that double murder homicide or whatever, at the end. But, man, come on. What a dummy Dexter's being just for the purpose of having tension in the show. Uh, I'd also like to ask, uh, are we supposed to like Deb anymore? I mean, she just does so many unlikable things just from being super emotional. Bone and Quinn, you know, right after Rita gets murdered. And, like, now she's just falling head over heels for Quinn, despite the fact that I don't think he feels the same way about her. You see him licking on girls at the club and dancing and saying how much she loves it. Is he, are we supposed to even like her anymore if she's being such a dummy? I think she should have stayed with Anton last season. You know, but whatever, you know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, lastly, uh, just real quickly, did Dexter really tell that guy, die, die, right when he killed him? Seriously, Dexter? What are, What is this? What a stupid thing to say right before you kill someone. Die, die. That's. I think that's the that's the worst thing I've heard Dexter say since in season one when he when he knocked out uh, Jorge Castillo with his uh, syringe. He told him, "God bless America." 
I think that was that's the worst thing he said since that. So anyway, that's my ramblings. Like I said, man, I'm sorry if some of these ideas are just complete. They go nowhere. But anyway, uh, good show, good podcast. Hopefully, I uh, hear some more. Hope some more of it soon. Talk to you later. Thanks, Travis. Good observations there about the 24-like qualities of this episode. It did pretty much span a single evening, and it's interesting you draw the comparison to 24, when we did have a former director of 24, Milan Chelov, directing an episode a couple of weeks ago. I think this episode was pretty key to the overall story arc, highlighted by the 18 pairing of Wendy West and Steve Schill, who, as I've talked about, have collaborated on some key episodes in the past, not least last year's stunning finale. I think it's fair to assume that the showrunners will set their best players to work on the season's key episodes. It's funny you appreciated the absence of Harry this week. Funny because I thought during the episode that we were missing Harry. I must admit I enjoy the conversations Dexter has with him, and I've particularly enjoyed the increasing disagreement between them this season. I think Harry represents the cool, composed, dark passenger, and the recent arguments they've had really indicate to me that Dexter's starting to reject his dark passenger. The absence of Harry this week, when Dexter was in some danger of discovery, perhaps emphasises how he's managing without him. Harry might have had an opportunity to appear when they found Lumen's victim had vanished, perhaps to say something along the lines of, This girl is going to be the end of you, Dexter. She's a loose cannon, Dexter. Get rid of her, Dexter. That kind of thing. Travis questioned why Dexter put Lance Robinson in the back of his car when he went to help Lumen. Dexter was working against the clock, knowing the sedative would wear off in a few hours. And I think he made a spur-of-the-moment decision... Obviously he didn't know how long he was going to be helping Lumen and maybe couldn't risk leaving Lance behind to wake up in the RV. Uh, Dexter's ritual is important to him, so uh, he couldn't quickly kill the guy, although that might have been an understandable, realistic option. You could view it as yet another example of Dexter being reckless this season. Obviously it turned out okay in the end, and it did provide some dramatic tension when the guy made a run for it but you can certainly question the logic. Travis, you mentioned Deb as becoming unlikable. Personally, I'm not disliking her. I mean, she's got to be pretty messed up inside with all she's been through. She has this guard that she keeps up, but once she lets it drop, she does seem to get a bit attached. You can understand her need to be loved and have someone care about her. She's She's quite childlike in some ways, and I don't think we should hold that against her. As for Anton, well, he saw how in love she was with Lundy last year and went went off quietly into the night, perhaps doing the decent thing, as hurt as he must have been. I actually fancied him as a suspect for the Lundy shooting for a while. But how Deb just needed that father figure, didn't she? Okay, she was sleeping with him too, which is well, it's a bit weird, isn't it? But given her childhood, where she was definitely Daddy's second favourite, you can understand her having father issues. Okay, so... Well, Quinn, he's not bloody helping Deb, the randy bloody dog that he is. Just as I was starting to give him some credit, he turns back into a douche. 
He could have done the decent thing and rejected Deb, been cruel to be kind, savour the hurt and sense of betrayal that's surely to come later in the season. Maybe if Quinn realises Dexter is definitely up to something murderous, he'll dump Deb before it comes out. <laughs> or maybe hell will freeze over. Would Quinn let anything come between him and his, his libido? Look at him in that club. He looked very much at home, didn't he, mucking about with the girls? Your last comment, Travis, about saying about Dexter saying die, die. Yes, I noted that too when I was watching the episode. I don't know why he said this, but he does like to say something to his victims before he kills them. Ordinarily, he's able to take his time and talk to the person about their crimes, but this was very much a spur of the moment, and die, die must have been the first thing in his head for better or worse, but it was an odd thing to use, well, baby talk before he broke the guy's neck. So, thanks again, Travis, becoming something of a regular caller, but always with good observations and much appreciated. If, like Travis, you feel so inclined to want to ring in, uh, you're very welcome. The listener line in the US is 206-350-6166, or if you're in the UK... The number is 0844-579-6949. But with the UK number, you then need to enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. If you prefer to just send an email, as uh, quite a few of you are now doing, which, which is brilliant, the email address is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Thanks everyone who's written or phoned or left iTunes reviews. It really does add a lot to the show and is very much appreciated. Thanks again. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Okay, so just a very minor spoiler alert for the next episode. If you don't want to know anything about the next episode, then skip on a minute uh, to avoid being spoiled in any way. Uh, As I always say, I hate spoilers. I don't want to know more than... Well, I don't really want to know anything, but I, I kind of feel obliged to uh, give a little preview of, of what's coming up on the next episode. Um, I don't know if you guys have any opinions on me doing this little segment. Um, do the majority of listeners not want to know anything either? Do you normally skip this bit? Um, let me know what you think, because I certainly wouldn't object to missing out this segment. Um, okay, so the next episode is called Circleus circle us um what does that mean does it mean that um is it from the point of view of lumen's abusers and that dexter and lumen start to circle them like uh, like a pack of hunting lions I, I, i don't know the synopsis that's online says by aiding lumen dexter puts himself on a collision course with deborah and the homicide division, and things get worse when he's brought in to work a horrific crime scene. And Deborah's investigation into the Santa Muerta killings leads her into a deadly confrontation with the killers. It's the first part of that synopsis that intrigues me more. Is there a is there a crossover between the people that Dexter and Lumen are, are tracking down and the case? A, a case that Deborah and the Homicide Division uh, start to investigate next week. Does one of Lumen's abusers get killed before Dexter and Lumen can get to them? 
and the Miami PD are investigating that murder and maybe they find that the victim is part of this this ring of uh, of serial abusers. Um, I suspect there's going to be some sort of crossover, but we'll see. Unless you want me to hunt you down, please email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Thank you. Just to sort of sum up how I felt about the episode in general, this was a very strong episode, I thought. Better than the week before. Very different in style in that it was... It was... It was depicting a shorter period of time and the bulk of it seemed to... Well, the bulk of it did take place in one evening and it was a bit 24-esque in that sense um, in that a lot of it played out seemingly in real time. And it's ironic perhaps that uh, this wasn't directed by uh, the 24 veteran uh, Milan Chalov who directed a previous episode, not this one. Um, but there was some great great storyline development between Dexter and Lumen. She does seem to have a fair sixth sense to find her abusers, even though it was perhaps off a little bit uh, with Brunner. Um, and she also had Dexter fairly well pegged by the end. And I'm fascinated to see where it goes from here and how far down the dark path Lumen will end up going. Uh, it does seem pretty clear that Dexter's keen to save her going far, as far down that path um, as, as little as possible. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. Just to prevent her from going down that dark path and, and help her as much as she can from doing that. I'm not sure what will happen to her at the end, though. The track record of people who discover the truth about Dexter is not good. Will Lumen end up killing herself? That's my gut feeling, that maybe the, the last of her abusers will end up dead at the end and uh, she'll not have that peace that she was looking for. Um, and maybe she'll know a lot more about what Dexter's been through by then. Um, and maybe death will be her only escape. The episode had some good dialogue between Dexter and Lumen, and overall was a well-directed episode. So I'd say Wendy West and Steve Schill have again collaborated to make another strong entry into the... Uh, the what's the phrase? The annals of Dexter history? Is that the right phrase? You know what I mean. Elsewhere, I liked the Quinn-Liddy thing investigating Dexter. I'm really keen to see where this goes and how close they get. I dare say they will get pretty close. Um, and maybe Liddy will end up on Dexter's kill table. We know very little about him at this stage, except that uh, it seems fairly clear he is a corrupt officer. So God knows what skeletons he has in his closet. But... Whatever happens, hopefully it will lead to some tense moments as they tighten the net and get closer to the truth. Masuka, <laughs> he was perfectly used this week. He's always been very much the comic relief and this week was no exception and he was on fine form. There, <laughs> there really is no limit to his knowledge of the perverse, is there? What a twisted imagination he has. But we still love him and, and that mime scene was just pure gold. So, guys, that brings us to the end of another Dissecting Dexter. 
I'm really starting to get excited about season five. I mean, I was I was excited before season five started and excited to see how they would, what they would do with Dexter, handling his grief and uh, where he would, where his personal journey would take him. And I was kind of on the fence, wasn't I, for a while? But I'm, I'm in the positive, the positive camp now, and I'm, I'm, I'm really on board and excited to see where, where this season takes us now. I've used the words excited a lot, haven't I, in the last minute or so? Uh, I'll have to think up some new words. Um, okay, so looking forward to the next episode. As always, thanks very much for your support. Thanks for everyone who continues to download and subscribe. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you soon.